and welcome to Living Your Best Life, a Parkinson's podcast with the Irish Examiner. I'm your host, Anne-Marie O'Connor, and we're here to mark Parkinson's Awareness Week with a five-episode special focusing on personal stories from the Irish Parkinson's community, the obstacles faced, challenges overcome, and tools used to live their best lives. On yesterday's episode, I chatted with Rochelle Flanagan about her experience of early onset Parkinson's and how she's helping to tackle the unmet needs of women with PD. Today's guest, Kate Wilkinson, comes to us from Bandon County Cork via London, where she and her husband, Tony, lived and worked for 25 years before his Parkinson's diagnosis. The couple returned to Ireland in 2016, making West Cork their home, both tireless advocates and familiar faces on the Cork Parkinson's Association Committee, Kate brings a unique point of view in raising awareness of the disease, both as a spouse and a carer. Kate, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Great to be here. It's so good to have you here. Now, I did meet you before, albeit virtually. Um, to recap, it was one of the Parkinson's Association of Ireland's educational Zoom calls. Um, I believe your husband, Tony, was trialing a new piece of technology. And rather than share how it affected him and his PD symptoms, he was very clever in saying he invited you to share your perspective, which I find was so enlightening because it gave a real 360 um, perspective of the disease. Um, And so I really want to talk to you about um, your kind of life as being Parkinson's adjacent. And um, yeah, first, I suppose the, the most important thing is to take us back in time a little bit um, to your life in London, seeing how that's a considerable period of time, 25 years. Can you tell us how Tony came to be diagnosed and um, how you felt at that time? So, um for a number of years, Tony had been experiencing different medical issues, uh, in particular to do with some discs in his neck that he had to have fused. And this went on for a few years, longer than we would have wished, really. And when he had had the operations and all that was done, he still wasn't quite right. And we didn't know what was wrong with him. And then one day, he went for what we thought was a follow-up um, appointment with his doctor, and um, because I was busy at work, I let him go and I thought, well, this isn't going to give me anything much. Mm-hmm. So I went to work and I got a call from Tony, who was quite stunned and distressed, saying, I've just been told that I've got Parkinson's. And it was, it, it was just so unfortunate because all this ever gone with him for his appointments, but we didn't think that this was anything in particular other than to sign off um, his last operation that he had. And well, my first reaction was, oh, you know, this can't be right. And I started, like most people do, uh, Googling. And I started <laughs> yeah. looking at some of the symptoms and I thought, oh, tick, tick, tick. Yeah. Um, and I started to see that maybe this was right. I know that uh, after that, when we went home, uh, we were quite distraught. We didn't know where to go. And we thought, oh, my goodness, what's this going to be? But even though it was a shock for me when he got the diagnosis, I have got to admit that I was quite relieved as well. Yeah. Because I said, oh, finally we know what's wrong with him. Mm-hmm. Finally we've got an answer for the stumbling, the dropping of things, the, uh, the slowness in movement and all of that, which 
when we had discussed it before with doctors, they put it down to, oh, that's the medication yeah. he's been taking for the, the operations that he's had. So in one way, I thought, shock horror. And the mm -hmm. other was, oh, now we know what it is. Yeah. And we, we're going to be on a path, uh, a medical path that, that will take care of us. Um, but sadly, that was uh, not to be as such. And tell me, what did you know about Parkinson's disease before Tony was diagnosed? Yeah, so the one thing I knew about Parkinson's disease was that old people got it, oh, and the second thing was it had to do with a tremor. That was yeah. it. But I learned very quickly. Yeah, and they, I mean, there's there's so much um, in terms of, like, so you were saying he had stumbling, he had stiffness. So this was going on for a, a number of years, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah. Quite so, yes, it had been going on for quite a while. But each time we discussed it with the doctor, they said, oh, it's to do with yeah. the medication you're on and are you waiting for one operation or the other. So we just didn't really... But the relief is interesting that you described because somebody asked me the same thing, said you were going through symptoms on your own in lockdown for such a long time. Was that the, the most worrying time? I said it kind of was because you're feeling around in the dark, aren't you? And at least you have, like you said, a road ahead. But tell us a bit more about that road, um, the impact it had on your life together, because you, you moved from London fairly shortly afterwards, isn't that correct? Yes, we had always decided that we were going to come back to Ireland when we were older. But yeah. you know, if you asked me when that was, I had no idea when we were going to decide whether it was going to be 60, 70 or 80. Mm. Um, but we hadn't really made any decision on it other than that we knew we would come back. And then when he got the diagnosis and when we started uh, to learn more about it, we thought, we better go now. And I also noticed, and I had been aware of it for a while, even before the diagnosis, that London was getting particularly difficult for Tony's mobility. Yeah. You know, getting on and off tubes, getting on and off buses, etc., etc., And just being very mindful when you're on the edge of a platform yes. and things like that. So we knew that with Parkinson's diagnosis, it was now time to get out of yeah. town as such. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah, what's, so that's a very practical kind of level, but still like to, to, to move so quickly in from London to Bandon, um, how did this like affect your, your identity, I suppose, Parkinson's going forward, given that it's progressive? And I'd imagine, and you can share that with me, the um, trajectory of, of Tony's symptoms because I believe they, they worsened. How did this affect you as a couple and also separately your own personal identity um, as a spouse? Yeah, so I guess ignorance is bliss really when you drift into the carer role because when you're with somebody who's got a chronic condition like Parkinson's, it doesn't all happen at once mm. and it's a gradual thing. So you find your picking up a little bit more, doing a little bit more, being more watchful, etc, etc. And you're well down the road of caring before you realise, hang on a second, this is a, like a full-time job here. Yeah. And, but I was very lucky in that I was able to port my job from London to Bandon. And well before the lockdown, I was remote working. And the company I worked for had a very good policy in place for taking care of their employees. So I was given flexibility in that. Um, and, and you will know this with Parkinson's. Today, we were coming here. 
Tony might have woken up this morning and decided, or, or he knew he would know that he would be able to drive somewhere. And if it was a hospital appointment, then I would have to rechange my diary and take him to his appointments. So they're the things about Parkinson's that people don't really understand. But if you're working with a company that embraces all the different aspects of medical conditions, or whether it's having children or taking care of elderly people, and they, they give you that flexibility, it allows you to continue working and still manage care role as well. That's incredible because I, I find it's that empathy and compassion um, in like a company that really, I mean, if you think about we're, we're human beings, not human doings, and and part of what we do, especially as we grow, you know, whether you're looking after children, looking after elderly parents, or looking after somebody who's sick or has a chronic condition, as you said, it's the small things that become that completely change your life. Um, can you give us some examples on that note? Of some of the challenges you faced, whether it's like you mentioned, the, the small things that can amount to um, significant differences in your day-to-day -day living, are there any bigger challenges? What are the, some of the smaller or bigger challenges, perhaps, it, that you faced, and what helped you through them? Um, I, I guess the, the thing is knowing that you never know what Tony's going to be like on a particular day. That's, mm -hmm. that's a major challenge um, because all that comes with it because it puts your planning out the window. And um, so it's, it's being able to adapt and you have the flexibility to be able to do that helps a lot. For me, maintaining your own identity is key. Mm -hmm. So for example, Tony has Parkinson's, but he's not defined by Parkinson's. I'm in a carer role. I'm not going to be defined as a carer. But having said that, it's incredibly important to recognise that I am doing the role of a carer and that I am a carer. And the reason that's important is because it forces me to say, hang on a second, you need to put some time aside for yourself and you need to be, make conscious decisions about how much of your energy you're going to expend on this. Because it's not, might be, it might be better tomorrow, but this is going to continue on for a long time. And I think that's a really great point that you made about ring-fencing your energy. Um, I try and look at, at things being the glass half full, and I know Parkinson's has a way of chipping away at you. It, it it's never goes away. It works 24-7. Um, but the one thing that I took away um, from Parkinson's, not as a benefit, but it's taught me how to be more intentional with my time. Um, did you, do you have any takeaways in terms of how what it has bought you from a, a, a positive perspective? When I was working full time, uh, it was more difficult because there are only so many hours of the day yeah. and then how busy your work tends to govern what's left over. And then what's left over really came into what Tony needed, etc. Mm -hmm. But I've now retired and I'm just finding it um, that I need to be careful as well and make sure that I just don't let everything just drift on and that I do ring fence the time. Um, and like for example, there it's, it's a bit like you know the Venn diagram of relationships where Tony's got his bit of the diagram and I've got my bit and then there's a bit in the middle where, where we meet. Um, for me, I have recently taken up um, Irish classes, oh, Irish language wow. class, because 
I know that's something that Tony's never going to do. Tony yeah. does choir. Uh, yeah. I don't do that. But together, uh, we do set dancing. Oh, so I think that illustrates quite well the, the, the different things. And it's, it's not always easy to find things where you can fit in that, that you enjoy doing, but it's really important to do that. And I think it's important, um, like you mentioned, to have something that's specifically yours um, and then to have something together. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that the, stands the test of time with, with any relationship, but even more so when you're trying to um, keep your glass full, you know, um, so that you're not operating at a deficit when, when Tony needs you. Like you, you kind of have to almost, as I say, fasten your own seatbelt first before What's, what's the phrase they say? With your mind? oxygen mask. Put your, yeah, that's it. Just your oxygen mask, mask first. But in terms of like um, helping people, I understand that, I mean, I know from, from uh, the Cork Parkinson's Association um, that you guys are tireless advocates, but really in particular, in terms of your advocacy work, you're working on something quite special at the moment, which is, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, it is near Cork International Airport, uh, the hotel there, you're having a spouse and carer group. Can you tell us a bit more about that and what that involves? So this came about really from listening to some of our members and issues they were raising or the odd phone call that I would get from people, carers of people with Parkinson's. And they would say to me, is there anybody I can talk to about such and such? And I remember in particular, uh, getting a call from somebody who has got younger children and I thought well you know I know somebody else who's got younger children and, and is caring for a partner with Parkinson's I connect the two of them together and and that's what I did really and um, and a few other occasions like that where, where we did discuss who takes care of the carer as such and just the importance of it and I decided that I would look at setting up a forum. And I really struggled with the name of what we were going to call this course because people don't want to hear support group. And the, you yeah. know, so it's a, it was difficult to put a name on it. And I sent out an email in part of our usual weekly update. And I just said that, you know, this is going to be for carers. If you would like to come along and we can set up our own a network of people and just look at some of the challenges and issues that we are experiencing. and. I was really lucky in that uh, Claire Maloney, who is a great advocate of Parkinson's as well, is a therapist. And she said that she would facilitate the day for us, or at least wow. maybe half a day for us. So haven't run, it hasn't been run before. It's a totally new thing. I have no idea what shape it's going to take. We're going to the hotel because, because it's um, it's very easy to access. What's the name of the hotel again? So it's the Cork International Hotel. Mm -hmm. And we've had meetings in there before and they look after us very well. And there's also great parking there and as I said, it's easy to get to. Um, and we have a room in there and we've limited to 10 people because this is our first one. And I thought, oh, will, I, will I get 10 people? I got 10 people and more. 
And the really, really great thing for me about it was I had a number of men who were caring for their partners as well. And I was so pleased to see that because I just wanted it to embrace the entire community and not just one thing for, for, for one gender. And can you tell me, you you said specifically it's about um, talking about the, the challenges that carers face. What do you think are the biggest challenges or what do people, uh, their biggest fears, you know, obviously they, they reach out to you. Um, what are people struggling with most in terms of that role? Um, I think that there's a couple of things really that people struggle with. And um, one of them is stigma. Mm -hmm. And that is something we just have to break down yes. right across the board. And because stigma affects the person with Parkinson's, but mm -hmm. it can equally affect the carer as well. And a lot of the time you take your lead from person who has Parkinson's because you don't want to upset them any more than they yeah. are but then you have to draw a line and say hang on a second you know let's get on with this yeah. and I remember thinking to myself when he was first uh, diagnosed and I thought oh my god even we're going to go back to Bandon they're going to see him stumbling around the street at nine o'clock in the morning they're going to think he's at the sherry <laughs> and I thought to myself you know grow up yeah and then I realized the stigma of it and we decided then that we would be loud and proud. So yeah. I tell everybody what's wrong with Tony, why he's stumbling all around the place. A lot of people don't want to hear it, but I'm going to tell them anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. So it's, it's the stigma and breaking that down. Now, we're not going to do that in a day, but it's also knowing that you are not alone. Because yeah. the thing about Parkinson's is there's so many different symptoms that are under the umbrella. Yeah. And like Tony might have one, three, and five symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, Today he might only have five. Somebody else has two, four, and six symptoms. So it's it's, and that's why we don't fit in naturally to other care groups that are in the, yeah. the locality. And um, so to be honest, I don't know what the answer is. We're going to go in there, yeah. um, and we're going to say, "What do you want out of this day?" And the people will tell us, and then we'll run from there. And then the next time we run a, a the, the workshop or the course, um, we will know better. But I think it's really important for people to bring what they need to it. And it's not for me to tell them what they need. I'll bring my own little bits and pieces. What everybody needs to bring, what it is for them is the worry. But it's the isolation. It's not knowing who to talk yeah, to. Yeah. It's, um, I'm really lucky in that Tony is very um, balanced, I would say. Yeah. And, and he very seldom gets upset. Mm -hmm. um, but you have people who, haven't, who are not dealing with it like that. And maybe yeah. who haven't got a stronger relationship as we have. Um, I don't and also I imagine what I, I find with people, um, people who've contacted me, is that they haven't told people. Um, and it's that shroud of secrecy. I think there's such, um, it's such a physical and emotional, uh, emotionally loaded disease anyhow. It takes a lot out of you on both levels. Then when you have two people, you know, you might be keeping it a secret on behalf of your spouse. Yeah. Um, have you come across people sharing that, that sort of information with you as well, or those fears? Um, yes, we we are aware of that. Um, you have got the partner invariably when you told me to discuss um, that their their partner has got Parkinson's and won't come out of the house yeah. and sat on the chair from the day that they were diagnosed, and the carer is you know climbing up walls, don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. um, but then you have to think of the, the broader family as well, and particularly now that this is being diagnosed, being diagnosed at younger ages. You've got people with young children. Yeah. You've got people with teenagers. And like um, 
the, the optic is, is very important, particularly to teenagers. So if you've got um, a father or a mother who's walking all over the place, um, how, do they, how do they deal with it? And yeah. that's another aspect that I think that we're going to need to look into as well. And just how do we support them, the entire family? So it's not just about the, the one person who's um, making a cup of tea or, or whatever. Um, it has to embrace the whole family, but it also has to embrace friends as well. Because sometimes you might have a really close friend mm -hmm. and you think that they're up to speed with all things Parkinson's and then they understand exactly what's yeah. going on. Yeah. And then they might come across, so for example, Tony, um, believe it or not, he has his days when he doesn't talk at all, which is quite unusual for anyone who knows Tony. Um, but say, for example, if somebody came into the house and Tony was switched off that day, they could feel yeah. very put out and that, oh God, Tony's very odd with me today. It's not that, it's just Parkinson's and he switched off today. And it's just, the, it's so vast. That's why yeah. um, people come up with all sorts of different things that, that, that bother them. So as regards advocacy, um, Cork Parkinson's Association is there. It's mm -hmm. out there. People need to know that it's there. You don't have to join. But it's yeah. good if you do because you hear about what's going on. But I remember in the beginning, and, and people would say, "Oh yeah, but that's not for me," you know. And um, but as long as they know it's there, and that at the time when it is for them and when they need help, they know where to go because it's we were uh, with the diagnosis. Where do you go? Yeah, never heard of it before. Old people get this. Yeah. You, you've got all these preconceived notions, which are totally untrue. So. If we could do one thing and just say, it's there, when you're ready, have a look at this and, and come meet us. They're great fun, they're great time. Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time that I met them um, when Tony and myself came back to Ireland and our former chairman, uh, Ted Horgan, hello Ted, um, he had invited us to join, to, to come and meet, and meet the people. And they happened to be going on their summer outing to West Cork and the bus pulled into the, the hotel in Shannon to have tea and coffee, and we went there to meet them. And I saw all these people getting off the bus in various stages of mobility. Mm -hmm. And I must say, I did gulp air at the time. Mm -hmm. And then we went in and joined them for coffee, and they were the liveliest bunch. It was just <laughs> a fun, <laughs> yeah. guys, you know. <laughs> and, and as I said, you, you heard me mentioning the set dancing there. They do that. They do the choir. They do yeah. they do a lot of activities, and they are not, you know, they're they're, they're a great bunch really, and they do, um, by and large, um, just get on with life because there's there's no other choice really. I think what you mentioned was really key about the Cork Parkinson's Association and the Parkinson's Association of Ireland that it's a great um, middleman, if you will when you are deciding whether you want to share this with people because not everyone can go from processing the um, diagnosis to sharing it immediately and to be able to have that safe space if you will to you know whether you become a member immediately or whether you just take advantage of free resources online and, and familiarize yourself with the disease it is such a great um, resource to have and so we'll make sure that we put everything in the show notes so that people know where to go. Um, but you, you meant now. I know your your spouse um, meetup is full. Um, that that's happening next week, I believe. Uh, Saturday. On Saturday. Okay, We're only around the corner. But will there be? Um, so if just say for instance, if somebody is interested in uh, joining 
the, 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 the next one. Um, will they go to the Cork Parkinson's Association? Will that be online so that they know there are details of the next meetup? Okay, so we haven't thought that far ahead yet, I've got to admit. Um, so I'll see how it goes on Saturday. I would dearly love to run these at least twice a year, but uh, four times a year would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, always contact us through the website. There is contact details in there and we can pick it up from there. I have a waiting list at the moment for wow. to start the next one. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yes. Okay, but we know where, where to get you because exactly. I know there's going to be tons of people saying, where do I go? Okay. Um, I have a question about you, a bit more about you, um, about your personality traits because you seem to me like a very measured, straightforward person and you're, you're very logical. And I think these are all great tools in terms of um, really tackling uh, the disease because it needs very practical application. Um, can you tell me a bit more about yourself, your personality traits, and how they help you, for example, on a day, because we all have them, when you just have a bad day, when nothing seems to go right and you're kind of feeling sorry for yourself, how do you pull yourself up and dust yourself off? Or, you know, do you allow yourself to feel the feelings and um, how do you manage the days that just really potentially get you down? Well, I feel very sorry for myself for five or ten minutes. And you know something? Then I look at Tony and I, some, you know, I often see the struggle he has to get out of bed some mornings. And he does it for no other reason other than today Parkinson's is not going to work. So I have my little hissy fit and then the dog runs up to me and I think, you know what, I'll take you out for a walk. So I do that. So the, the dog benefits quite a bit from my hissy fits. <laughs> and uh, so, so we do. But, but again, I have to know that I've got my own places to be, uh, things to do, whether it's I can read a book. I've got this thing coming up, you know, and, and uh, or... Maybe I can do a bit of work on the website or something like that. Maybe get do a little bit of advocacy. So I'm not perfect. I you know sometimes you get Mother yeah. Teresa. Sometimes you get a tool of the home. But um, no, that I, I like that. It's just uh, I think sometimes when we apply ourselves, and I, I think distraction is a great tool. I remember um, a Parkinson's nurse told me about that. She's like, distraction is your best friend when you're trying to get yourself out of, whether it's apathy or, you know, the pity party or whatever it is, distract yourself, distraction by design. Yeah, I do the same thing, I find things to do. Um, so I wanna wrap this up because we're, we're almost out of time. I want to ask you, Kate, what is the most important thing you've learned on your journey so far? Because it's still the road, we still have a long road ahead of us. Yeah. Um... I have learned quite a few things, I guess, but it's maintaining your own identity, identity, recognizing yourself in the role of a carer, because if you don't do that, you're not going to set aside the time to be yourself, because the lifeboat isn't coming. Nobody's going to come and sort this out for me. I've got to take control of it. I've got to do it myself. I've got to make myself aware of the resources that are out there to support me. I've got to call on my friends that can support me. And in particular, if I can network with other people who 
whose partners are in the same stage as Tony is, because that's the other thing about Parkinson's, it's got different stages. Yeah. So what's, what's right for somebody at this stage may not be right for somebody at a different stage. And that's, that's really important. Um, that's great, that's great. Um, I, I can't thank you enough because I really enjoyed your, your view on everything. And I think our listeners and viewers at home will definitely um, be contacting, I believe it is where we can find you, the Cork Parkinson's Association. Where can we find you online? So www.corkparkinson's.ie. And there's a contact us page in there. And you can just email with your query or just send your, your email address and telephone number. And either myself or Tony will come back to you. Wonderful. Kate, thank you so much. And uh, be sure to join us next week as I chat with the Parkinson's Association of Ireland specialist nurse Lisa Wynn, who shares her experience of helping the newly diagnosed and some critical tips on how to live your best life with Parkinson's. For more episodes like this, you can find us at Living Your Best Life with Parkinson's podcast on irishexaminer.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Bye for now. <laughs>